gentlemen, start your engines. Uh, you're coming out about Mr. Gorbachev tear down this wall. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I'm not a crook. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan. Listening to Jim Paris Live, your source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now your host, the editor-in-chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right, hello everybody. I just want to do a special welcome here for all the Cubs fans. <laughs> I don't wear this shirt that often, but when I do, I like to rub it in with my friends that are Cubs fans. And for those of you that don't know, if you're not from Chicago, there is sort of this epic battle that continues to go on between the North Siders and the South Siders. So uh, Cubs fans and Sox fans do not get, a well, get along well, and uh, even families have been split up <laughs> over the uh, rivalry between the Cubs and the Sox. Okay, time to get serious. So there appears to be a serious hurricane about to hit Florida. Uh, looking at the latest track, it looks like the tropical force winds will get to my area sometime on Wednesday. And this storm seems to be very unpredictable. I'm starting to see a lot of different scenarios and one of the things I do like is it seems to be drifting further west. So this is going to be coming in on the west side of Florida. And so sometimes what happens is those of us on the east coast tend to relax and think, well, this is no big deal. It's a west coast event. Uh, but sometimes where these storms really become a problem, really two issues. One is uh, the spinoff of tornadoes. Uh, which can happen really anywhere in the path of the hurricane. And these are hurricanes are, are, are really large. Uh, people that aren't experienced in going through a hurricane tend to look at these maps, which are focused on the eye of the hurricane, the center. Uh, but these hurricanes can be, you know, hundreds of miles wide as far as the, the rain and the winds. Uh, so this is going to cover the entire state of Florida when it does come on land. And so you have the issue of tornadoes. You also have the issue of of rain and flooding. And what happens is if it rains enough, the roots of the trees get loose. And then with even 20, 30 mile an hour winds, you can have trees down, which a lot of the deaths are from trees falling uh, on people, tr trees falling on uh on power lines and then people get out there with their chainsaw trying to do what they shouldn't do get electrocuted uh this can sometimes cause fires uh but the power outages um can be devastating uh to a lot of people uh those that have medical needs and in other situations where uh being without power is more than just an inconvenience so i've seen this happen before where the storm itself is not so bad, but then people get really seriously injured and sometimes die after the storm, you know, getting out there uh, where there are down power lines and so forth. So uh, the storm is called Ian. I think it's officially still a tropical storm, but is about to be upgraded to a hurricane. It looks like it will be a, a level three uh, hurricane. So, uh, you know, the worst is a five, but, uh, the threes are certainly, uh, not to be ignored and, uh, a lot of damage, uh, certainly 
to to be on the lookout for. And the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, has declared the entire state, uh, you know, a state of emergency. So uh, a lot of people out buying water. Uh, the counties are providing sandbags for those people that are in low lying areas. People are buying food and getting prepared. Honestly, this time around, I'm not doing a lot of preparation. I did go by the grocery store and I got three gallon jugs of water, uh, but I'll also probably just fill up some uh, extra pitchers of water here at the house. And I'm not even dragging my generator out uh, since I'm living by myself now. Uh, I wouldn't mind it actually if, if the power went out and I had to you know, pull my tent out and just sleep out in the yard for a few nights just uh, so that it would be cooler uh, for me. I'm more of a survivalist in that way. I wouldn't mind that the least bit. So I'm not doing a lot. I'm not putting up the hurricane panels. So uh, we will see what happens. So yesterday I had a fantastic day in St. Augustine with a new friend of mine that I've only known for about 30 days. And we had a, a tremendous time. We did all kinds of fun stuff. We went to dinner we went to uh, the pirate ship and, and took a pirate ship ride. We got some desserts. And what was nice about it is the weather's starting to get cooler. So at night, it gets down into the 70s, which is just perfect weather to be walking around uh, the beautiful city of St. Augustine. So I did that yesterday, had a great time. I ate way too much food. And I, I have to be honest, I'm starting to gain weight again. So I lost 50 pounds. And I'm being honest with you right now, I, I've already gained back about 18 pounds. So I'm going to do something uh, about that. So I'm going to start uh, working on, you know, uh, either some kind of a new eating program or I'm going to go back to the Optavia uh, program where I'm eating the food, the uh, meal replacements. I'm going to be doing something here shortly. And I know a lot of you are probably gearing up to lose weight before the holidays or for the first of the year. So maybe I'll share with you uh, some of my diet tips. You know, I've done keto before. I kind of like keto and I'm leaning towards going back on keto, but I also did really well with the Optavia uh, program where I failed on Optavia was they have a kind of a, a, a an eating or a meal modification plan that you're supposed to go on when you come off of the Optavia meal replacements. And I did that faithfully for a little while, but then I got away from it. And uh, the scale starting to show me that I need to do something. So uh, looking uh, to get into a, a new eating program here soon, whether it's going back to Optavia, keto or something else. So this story, I'm not sure why this week we, we've heard a lot of rumors and buzz that Biden may, in fact, be running again. And I just think to myself, can the Democrats be serious, not just because of his age? not just because of what appears to obviously be cognitive impairment, uh, you know, for, for Biden, but just look at the horrible economy and everything that's happening. And I don't know, you always think to yourself, don't the Democrats have someone that they can run that would be, you know, somebody that would be younger, that would have more energy, that would have more of a passionate vision. And they just don't seem uh, to have another, uh, you know, let, let's say Barack Obama. They, they don't seem to have someone like that in the bullpen. Uh, Obama, like him or not, was a charismatic candidate and uh, sort of did, you know, uh, carry with him a passion and, and got people, uh, you know, caught up in a vision uh, for the future. 
But it doesn't seem like the Democrats have another Barack Obama in the bullpen. And the idea that they would run Biden again is almost sad. It it really is. But that appears to be uh, the buzz that Biden may be running again. And a lot of people are being asked about this. Pelosi won't comment on it. Um, there's a lot of whispering going on among Democrats about what's going to happen. Uh, Liz Cheney says that she will not remain a Republican if Donald Trump is the GOP nominee in 2024. And probably one of the biggest stories politically that is not getting enough attention is really this split uh, in the Republican Party. And which direction is the Republican Party going to go in? And this could be the downfall of the Republicans coming into the midterms, which is the Rhino Republicans versus the Trump Republicans and sort of that split and what's going to happen. And can they all unite around Trump again if Trump is the nominee uh, or even if it was uh, somebody like Ron DeSantis as the nominee? Can we get all of the Republicans together uh, behind someone? And uh, I'm not sure it's it's I think that is the biggest challenge to Republicans is this split. Uh, between the rhinos and the Trump Republicans and whether or not they can all get together and be on the same page to get behind a single presidential nominee. And uh, uh, this is interesting. Michael Moore, uh, the filmmaker Michael Moore, uh, is predicting uh, that the Democrats are going to uh, have a, a blue wave in November. Uh, and he said this when he was on with Bill Maher. And Bill Maher, uh, interestingly enough, is is somebody who is a liberal, but is not intellectually dishonest. And he really challenged Michael Moore on this comment. But Michael Moore has made many predictions in the past that haven't turned out to be true. Uh, so I'm not really sure how much credibility he has uh, in making predictions, but he's predicting that the uh, Democrats are going to do well uh, in November. Uh, in the midterms here, uh, not really sure <laughs> that anybody is taking him seriously. Uh, we will have to see. But this is just interesting to watch the situation with Liz Cheney, Mitt Romney, a lot of these rhino Republicans and what's going to happen, uh, you know, in the presidential, uh, you know, campaign. I, I think when we look at the midterm, there's sort of a different dynamic there. You have all these individual races. And uh, I think the Republicans are going to do very, very well, uh, both in the House and in the Senate. Uh, but when we get into the you know presidential election, you've got this whole dynamic of, uh, you know, the Trump Republicans versus the Rhino Republicans. It'll just be interesting to see how that all pans out. So I did a video today. One of the things I've been doing after church is I've been going to this little park that I love after church. And just being honest with everybody, people know I'm going through a divorce right now. My wife left me about a year ago and filed for divorce in April. And one of the things I've been going through emotionally is for the last few months, I've stayed away from a lot of places that I used to love to go to because it just reminded me of time together with my wife. And I didn't want to revisit that and go through the emotional trauma of that, honestly. So I've avoided a lot of my favorite places and uh, I've started to go back to those places. And one of those places is this beautiful park that I love called Waterfront Park, and it's here in Palm Coast. And what I've been doing is um, going by myself. You know, I used to go there after church a lot with my wife. We'd get a sub sandwich at Publix and we'd 
get a picnic table and watch the boats go by and have a little bit of early lunch because I go to the early service. It starts at nine. So I'm out of there by like 10 or 10, 15, swing by the grocery store, get my sandwich, which I pre-order. And I'm usually at the park, you know, by 1030 ish uh, on Sundays. And I was there today and uh, did a video on DSCR loans. And a lot of you who maybe uh, left the show when I took a little break here recently, maybe you're back and you're new and you may not know that I'm back uh, in the mortgage business. I am a loan officer again, which is what I did uh, for several years between like 2001 and 2009. And I'm back doing that again. And one of the things that I've been enjoying lately is working with a lot of investor clients. And one of the products that is very popular are these DSCR loans, which stands for debt service coverage ratio. And these mortgages are designed for investors. And I did a video on this today, but just to quickly recap for those that may not see the video, what you, you um, are looking at here with a DSCR loan is they're not looking at your income to qualify you for the loan. They're looking at the income from the property. And so as long as the projected rental income from the property is sufficient to cover the mortgage payment, it's very easy to get a mortgage on an investment property. Uh, in particular, uh, lenders are loving Airbnb properties, which have tremendous cash flow, much better than properties that are rented out, you know, with a six month or a one year lease. So in order to get approved for a DSCR, uh, what you've got to have is about 20% down and decent credit. And then you just have to have a property that would have projected income that would cover uh, the mortgage payment, uh, taxes and insurance as well. And uh, that's called a DSCR loan. And uh, if you're interested in finding out more about that, you can private message, message me through Facebook or you can send me an email to jim at christianmoney.com. And uh, we do have programs available in most states uh, across the country uh, if you want to get in touch with me about DSCR. Okay, uh, the price of oil has plunged to the lowest level since January. And I've always said this, and I know it's going to sound like a conspiracy theory, but honestly, why is it that every time an election comes around, we see gas prices come down and the price of oil coming down, of course, part of that whole equation? Uh, look, call me a conspiracy theorist, but here we go again. I don't mind it. I mean, I don't mind that gas is getting closer to $3 than it is, you know, than it was closer to $4 and, and above. Um, uh, I, I like that gas is coming down, but at the same time, it seems very manipulated. I'm just one that always says, look, why is it that the price of gas drops when we get near elections? And, and uh, I have to tell you, probably the two biggest impacts on people's finances are the price of food and the price of gas. And I can't imagine people that have to drive into work, you know, 30 minutes or an hour every day and what that costs. Uh, you know, I live in a small town. I don't drive very long distances. So in my own case, I'm filling up my car maybe every couple of weeks. So I'm maybe spending right now a hundred bucks a month on gas. But there are people that are spending a hundred dollars, $150 a week on gas. 
because of the price of, of gas going up. And then you add that to the, you know, incredible price of groceries and you can really, really hurt uh, the middle class or lower middle class person. I mean, really in their pocketbook. And so, you know, here we go again, the price of gas coming down right before an election. Call me a conspiracy theorist, but it is what it is. Uh, this story I thought was fascinating. Uh, this from the New York Times and the headline is, I'm sorry, the Los Angeles Times. The headline is, this is not your captain speaking, moans and groans taking over some flights PA systems. And so what's happened is on multiple flights, not just one, but multiple flights, people are hearing over the intercom inside the plane, moans and groans, sounding like someone is hurt. They're worried about is something going on in the cockpit. And so the captain on these flights will come on the intercom and say, we're okay. We don't know where this sound is coming from. Uh, and it's just sort of creepy, right? Um, nobody knows where these moans and groans are coming from through these, uh, through the intercom system of the planes. And what I got from this is I know if you're somebody that, uh, uh, is sort of into the paranormal, you might think, oh, ghosts or demons or whatever is going on, uh, inside the intercom system of the plane. But I'll tell you what I thought. I thought right away that someone, someone has hacked the plane and somehow a hacker has gotten control of the intercom system of the plane. And th the more these planes fly themselves, they're equipped with internet and GPS and all this technology. The more of that, the more I think there's a chance for someone uh, to hack a plane, to hijack a plane just with a computer keyboard. And that's what I thought of when I read this. But it is still unexplained. Nobody knows uh, how this is happening where these sounds are coming from. And uh, on one flight in particular that they talk about here in the Los Angeles Times, uh, passengers had to be reassured multiple times that the pilot and co-pilot were okay and that they could not determine uh, the source of these moans and groans coming over the intercom system uh, of the plane. Uh, and someone actually has a video that they have posted online uh, with uh, the actual audio uh, of this. And it's it's frightening. It's just very disturbing. And I can't even imagine having to listen to this uh, over a two or three hour flight. Manufactured home living seems to be growing in popularity. And this is not a new story. This is just the Jim Paris story. I am noticing this a lot in my mortgage practice and other people that I work with in the real estate business that more and more people are interested in a manufactured home more than a standard built home. And when trying to explore the reasons why I'm being told, number one, it they're less expensive. Number two, it takes less time to get one of these than it does to have a house built. So with the whole supply chain issue and all that, if you want to, you know, buy yourself a, an acre of land and, and put a, you know, building on it, this is a faster route than, than construction. And also I thought this was interesting. I was told that some people just really like dealing with maintenance on a manufactured home because you just go down to a, a supply store that sells the parts for the manufactured home and you buy the part and you take off the part that doesn't work and you put the new part on just like making a repair 
uh, to a car. And some people think that's better than a standard built home. Um, but a couple of comments on this, just from somebody in the mortgage business here, sharing this with you. If you do want to buy a manufactured home, uh, you want to make sure that it is affixed to a permanent foundation. Um, if, if you want to get a traditional mortgage on the property. And so that's really the big requirement. But that being said, uh, you know, FHA, a lot of the lenders are lending on these properties. As long as you have a foundation and you have the uh, unit, uh, you know, strapped to a foundation, uh, there's there are metal straps that they use to connect it to the foundation. And then you have real estate and they will loan on it, uh, typically like most any other traditional real estate. Uh, there are some issues with older manufactured uh, home units, typically made before 1976, which probably you don't want to be looking at, uh, you know, 40 year old, uh, 50 year old units anyway. Uh, but some people, you know, are, are out there in the market and they see something like that. Maybe it's got a good price. And the reason it's a good price is because it's that old. So uh, it would be tough to get a loan on a property like that. Although if you're paying cash, I guess it wouldn't matter. Uh, but it's interesting to see this, uh, you know, as we're talking about hurricanes beginning this episode, it's interesting to see that uh, people even in Florida are gravitating towards manufactured homes, which don't do well in tornadoes and hurricanes. Now, they've gotten better over the years. The wind rating has increased and you don't see uh, the devastation that you see with the mobile home parks where the uh, mobile home units are not connected to a foundation, you know, they're just freestanding. Uh, those can get tossed around uh, very easily by a tornado uh, and knocked over in hurricanes. Uh, the ones that are strapped down to a foundation, the newer ones uh, with the new building standards are much, much more secure, but not as solid as a standard traditional built home. But that is a trend that I'm starting to see in my business and others in my industry in this area are telling me that uh, manufactured homes are becoming popular again, especially among retirees. Well, the Craigslist home rental scam is back, and this has been around for a long time, and it's not just limited to Craigslist. It's really just out there, and I don't know that there's a good solution uh, to preventing this. And I'll give you just a couple of things you can probably do uh, to protect yourself a little bit, but there's probably no ultimate protection against this. So somebody runs an ad in Craigslist or on Facebook or in a local newspaper that there is a property for rent. Uh, so you call the number, they meet you at the property, they show you the property. Uh, some cases they'll just show you pictures online have a story why they can't open the property up. In other cases, these scammers will actually, you know, break in and have access to the property itself for a few hours. And in essence, it's a pretty simple scam. They basically take deposits and first and last month's rent from multiple people. And uh, in, in these cases, they don't even own the property. Uh, so they may be someone who rented the property, quote unquote, and now they have access to it because they put down a deposit with the owner and now they're representing that they are the owner and they're going to collect now deposits from multiple people. Uh, that's one angle on it. Another angle on it is it's 
an abandoned, uh, you know, property that maybe has been vacant for a while. It's not abandoned. Someone still owns it, but there's nobody in there presently and they gain access to it and then scam people out of their first and last months in security deposit. So what can you possibly do to protect yourself? Um, so it's probably a good idea to rent through one of these portals that background checks the landlords and does a little bit of uh, homework, making sure that the person actually does own the property uh, that is renting it out. You can also be protected if you rent by way of a property management company instead of from an individual. Also, something simple you can do is go to the uh, real estate records in that county where the property is and look up who the owner is. And when you're meeting with a person that claims to be the owner that wants your first and last months and your security deposit, ask to see a driver's license to verify their identity, that they themselves can prove that they are the owner of the property. So those are some things you could do uh, to protect yourself. But uh, a lot of people are uh, desperate. Rents are high. So they see a, what looks like a deal in Craigslist or in Facebook Marketplace, and they run out there and bring cash and right away I want to hold that place and they put down a big deposit or even, you know, first and last month's rent. And now they're out thousands of dollars and realize on moving day that this has been done to 10 or 12 different families. And uh, there's nobody to go to to really get your money back. You, you've been scammed and the scammer uh, is gone with your money. And these people will move around the country and run this scam uh, in multiple locations. Uh, okay, so I also want to mention this uh, briefly. I read an article today over at CNBC, and it was talking about the average 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 6.7%, uh, and how people are panicking and what people can do to deal with this. And honestly, it was a very poorly written article, and I, I'm, I'm always a little bit taken aback when these financial journalists who've never worked in some of the industries that they write about, why they don't go out and interview an expert instead of trying to be the expert. And this is what you see many times with these, uh, you know, these financial channels as well. Uh, these quote unquote reporters uh, and journalists, financial journalists, they will kind of uh, from at, at the beginning of their career, they will interview experts and then they sort of consider themselves an expert and they start giving out advice. And you see some of these really poorly written articles with uh, bullet points that are from the 1980s. And uh, basically this article was, was pointing out how there's not much you can do. Rates are really high and it's really terrible and there's payment shock, et cetera, et cetera. So some of that is true, but also, you know, being that I am back in the mortgage industry and working as a loan officer, I can tell you that there are ways of getting a rate much lower than that, than the 6.7. And uh, there are different strategies, you know, using uh, a buy down where you pay a little bit of money up front to get a lower rate. Um, there are different products that you can look at. Um, there are different ways of, you know, there, there are, there are adjustable rate mortgage products. There are different things that you can do if you're working with a loan officer or a mortgage broker that is, kind of working with perspective, almost like being your financial planner, but within the world of mortgages. And uh, also, you know, working with someone that has access to lower rates. Uh, so one thing that people 
you know, fail to do, which sort of old school, right, is to call five or six different, um, you know, places to see who might be able to get you the lowest rate. And then on top of that, ask the person that has the lowest rate, what can they do to get even a lower rate for you, you know, by uh, using a buy down um, and other things that can be done. You can, you know, ask the uh, loan officer to cut their own fees to try to give you a better deal. So it's all about being informed and you can get the rate down sometimes by 1% or more uh, by simply shopping around, uh, asking your loan officer to cut their fee, asking about buy downs. There are a lot of things that can be done. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of these articles sort of present to the public uh, a problem without a solution. But there still are ways uh, to trim back where that average mortgage rate is right now, uh, which is 6.7%. Uh, this article uh, from Christian Post is probably a topic that we're going to start to see front and center as a debate among Christians going forward, if it's not already front and center. And the headline is, is it unfaithful for Christians to vote for Democrats? And we've got uh, kind of two extremes now building up uh, within the evangelical church we have some people like Andy Stanley saying we should not talk about anything political in the church. Uh, we even have uh, some pastors that are, uh, you know, they call themselves progressive evangelicals that are saying it's okay to vote for pro-abortion candidates and, and those with very liberal and unbiblical views. Um, we have a, a growing number of pastors that are just silent. They're silent on issues of the culture. They don't want to offend anybody. They don't want to bring up issues like uh, abortion uh, from the pulpit. And, and that is very tragic. But we have some that are coming out and saying, you can't vote for a Democrat. And I'm not sure that I would ever go that far because there are Democrats that are pro-life. There are Democrats that I think um, may have uh, platforms that could work um, within my evangelical perspective. There's not many, but I wouldn't necessarily as a Christian uh, limit myself and say that I can only vote for one party or another party. Um, but uh, it is interesting to see uh, this debate within the church of whether or not we can discuss issues that are, quote unquote, political or not. And the danger there, of course, is, uh, you know, everything is political. So you can't really talk about issues of the culture because it's considered political and a lot of uh, Christians are saying we need to just stay out of these cultural issues. And we're, we're sort of see we're giving up that ground then to the left and we're not uh, fighting for what's being taught in the schools and 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 protecting, you know, the onborn uh, life and those issues that are near and dear to us. And certainly, uh, you know, issues not, not just of culture, but of our faith. Uh, so as we enter into another cycle, which could be very <laughs> uh, you know, uh, a very big battle, just like we've seen before. Uh, it looks like Trump is back. I'm hearing buzz that maybe Hillary's back. Uh, who knows? But uh, we're going to see Christians starting to line up on whether or not, uh, as Christians, we can have a voice uh, in the world of politics. And I certainly think we can. I will continue to speak out on issues of the culture, whether or not someone else has earmarked them as political or not. Uh, okay. And, uh, 
this is um this is the the actual I want to share this with you this actual quote. It says here some Christians present of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary because last week at the Pray Vote Stand Summit by the Family Research Council he suggested Christians who vote for Democrats or Christians who do not vote are unfaithful to God. Uh, so that's sort of the kind of the line in the sand. And uh, we're starting to see people, you know, taking uh, all kinds of different uh, positions on this. Hey, I want to just uh, close out by thanking everybody that listened to me this uh, week on Wednesday night at three in the morning Eastern with George Norrie on Coast to Coast AM. I think I've been on there about a dozen times now. I've kind of lost count. Uh, got a ton of emails, a ton of new people signed up uh, for the email list um, as well. A lot of people downloaded the book, I think probably thousands and a lot of people buying the book at, at Amazon. And I heard from a lot of you, I'm doing my best to get caught up on all the emails. I think I'm close to being caught up on all the emails. If you haven't heard back from me, don't worry. I'm almost caught up in the next uh, two or three days. I should uh, have answers uh, for everybody that has e emailed me. And I appreciate so much the kind words from many of you uh, who reached out and who did listen. Thanks so much for listening. Remember on Sunday nights, uh, don't miss it. We're here every Sunday night for you. If it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris live. Thanks for listening. So long, everybody. We'll talk to you next time.